You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. In today's show, you're going to be getting a company update from Dore Copper Mining, one of our sponsors. I'm a shareholder. And last time we spoke with the president and CEO and one of the founders, Ernie Mast. I'm going to put a link to that interview. It's a profile interview that gives you a little bit of the backstory and understanding of the investment value proposition that will be in the show notes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there should be a link above my head for that. Ernie, welcome back onto the program. And since we last spoke, you've released a couple press releases. One of those has to do with a $6 million Canadian financing that you just completed. So please review that with us. What type of investors did you bring in and what type of money do you have in the treasury as we speak? So uh, thanks, Bill. Uh, so currently, uh, that raise that we announced was was really strategic in that uh, we had some new Quebec funds come in, as well as some of the existing funds that are currently invested in the prop in the in the company. Uh, we also had uh, some new investors come in, and uh, we're pretty excited about diversifying our investor base with this raise. Uh, we closed in two tranches: one the end of last year, and one at the beginning of this year and that's all settled away. So currently we have a little over $6 million in treasury and uh, most of those funds will be used for for drilling purposes, but essentially we're fully funded now uh, to get to the point where we can issue new resources and a PEA later this year. Okay. Uh, When we last spoke, I think the share price was somewhere around 70 cents Canadian, and then it ran up to a dollar. And it's down back around 70 cents Canadian as we speak, uh, kind of a round trip since we last spoke. Can you talk to us a little about what occurred in the share price movement since we last spoke? Yeah, sure. Well, I'd I'd say it's about 70. Well, it's a little over 70 cents, say 74, 75 now. But um, one of the things... uh, I think that occurred is that there was a run up in a lot of copper stocks and a few of them have rechased a bit. And also we had some flow through shares become tradable at the beginning of the year. And that may have created uh, some additional sellers. Uh, We think a lot of that's out of the system now. So as we discussed before, I I believe the next zoom up we have should be uh, much more sustainable. Okay. And you released some drill results from your Joe Mann project. This is one of the highest uh, grade silver, excuse me, precious metals, gold mines in Canada historically that you're looking to bring back into production. So you're doing the hub and spoke model. So just go give us an overview again of this Joe Mann project and how it fits into your overall model that you're working with. Okay. Yeah, for sure, Bill. So the Joe Man mine produced 1.2 million ounces of gold and it stopped operating in 2007. Uh, at the point at that time, the company running the mine uh, decided to invest in a copper mine. Uh, gold prices weren't as strong as copper in the mid 2000s, if you recall. And uh, essentially they closed the mine in an orderly fashion. Uh, over the life of the mine, it produced at a grade of 8.26 grams per ton gold and also at 0.3% copper. Over the last four years of the mine's life, uh, the ore actually was processed in our copper rand mill, where recoveries were about 85% gold and over 90% copper. So how this fits into our hub and spoke model is that uh, the Joe Man mine, when it returns to operation, can be commingled with the, uh, say, the Corner Bay ore. Uh, we would produce Dore uh, from the Joe Man mine, but also some of the co- gold in Joe Man is in solution with the copper mineralization and that's going to increase the gold content of our copper concentrate. 
the Joman mine uh, has a strike of over one kilometer, and uh, the majority of the ore mined was from the main zone and the west zone. Okay, and the West Zone was made mention of in your recent press release. What did you discover in the West Zone with this latest round of drilling? So uh, we drilled uh, on the West Zone, we drilled a, a deep pilot hole, and then we did three wedges off that. Uh, the first the first two intercepts that we got uh, were probably a little bit too far west, and, and they missed the ore plunge. But then hole number three uh, hit four meters at 10 grams per ton, and this is about 100 meters down dip of three intercepts that are very similar, meaning uh, four to five meters and around 10 grams per ton. So, uh, you know, we, we established the fact that the mineralization, uh, the dip continues and we extended down dip by approximately 100 meters. Uh, the deposit is still open in its plunge zone towards the east, and that's going to be our next target that we're going to drill. So we're really happy with uh, with that result. And, and even the holes that didn't get good mineralization, we hit the structures. So the structures are continuous and they're persistent. And, and that just means with a little more drilling, maybe we can get some good intercepts there as well. The second zone you were testing at Joe Man was the far west zone. What did you find here? So the far west zone is a very interesting zone in that it's never been mined but uh, there's a, a drift or a tunnel going through the area at a depth of 145 meters. And we intercepted uh, three meters at 10 grams um, on the far west zone and also had an intercept of 0.4 meters at uh, 41 grams and 0.6% copper. Uh, this far west zone has numerous intercepts that are very high grade, including some intercepts over 100 grams. Uh, when we model the, in the area, uh, we're, we're not seeing the same type of uh, continuity along structure at the Joe Man main mine. So uh, we're having a deeper look at the information. The other thing that we're doing on the far west zone is it's obviously nuggety in nature uh, because of that, say, hit of 0.4 meters at 40 grams when we really didn't anticipate anything from that analysis. So uh, we're going to analyze, analyze the whole core and see what kind of nuggety uh, nature that there is, but um, we'll have a look at it and see if there's some potential for mining. Uh, in the past, I believe they wouldn't have mined it because gold prices were relatively low. Uh, with today's high-grade gold prices, we could probably put together more of a disseminated model and, and see uh, what that would look like. So lots of potential there as well. Uh, recall that it's very shallow. It's about 100 to 250 meters deep, and there's a drift already going through this area. And does this type of deposit typically get higher grade as you get to depth? Um, on Joe Man, it's, I, I'd say it's high grade all the way through. So you get 40 gram intercepts um, close to surface and at depth as well. But I don't think we really know enough about the far west zone to, uh, to comment on that. It's possible if it does get higher grade intercepts, then we're going to start getting 100 gram intercepts, which would be great. And the main zone, I understand you're looking at that again as a possibly dewatering to lower your cost of future drilling. Is that right? Correct. So in the current program that we did, we had an intercept of 1.3 meters at 6.3 um, 6 grams per ton gold and 0.52% uh, copper. Uh, that intercept <clears throat> that intercept is was rest that intercept was located between uh, two historic intercepts of an ounce per ton and the 
historical working. So what we'd like to do is infill in that area a little more in the future. And it makes a lot more sense for us to do it from underground where the drilling distance would be, uh, call it 100 to 150 meters as opposed to over a thousand meters from surface. Uh, so there's a cost implication of drilling from surface, but even bigger is that it's hard to keep the drill exactly where you want it to be. So you, you end up kind of deviating from your intended target. So we're looking to dewater the Joe Men mine, which last operated in 2007, uh, and it has all of its infrastructure in there to be able to get back down underground. And what would something like that cost to dewater? Uh, a dewatering effort there would probably be a couple of million dollars. However, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to embark on a study to, to get a much harder number. Got it. And what are you doing at Corner Bay? Is there anything going on there right now? Yes. So when we recommence drilling in the new year, uh, as we digest and analyze these Joe Man results, what we're going to we're drilling at Corner Bay, and uh, the Corner Bay deposit during the course of 2020, uh, we very successfully drilled uh, the deposit, extending it out to the south at depth, and uh, we will continue to do that. But at the present time, we're actually drilling the deposit uh, on the north side and testing some of the high grade intercepts that have occurred there in the past and drilling those up dip. Uh, and so we're looking to expand upon the tonnage there. Uh, just as a reminder to the viewers, Corner Bay is, uh, is a, a deposit with over 3% copper. There's very few of those deposits in the world. Uh, we currently have 3 million tons, but with the drilling that we did last year and the drilling we intend to do this year, we should significantly be expanding the deposit. So should we expect resource updates at both Joe Man and Corner Bay this year? Correct. That's right. And we'd like to incorporate a little more drilling in both of those, um, both of those deposits. Um, for Joe Man, we don't necessarily have to do the dewatering and underground, uh, the dewatering and drilling from underground before updating the resource, but we may do a couple of more holes from the surface. Okay. And then you also have a PEA at Joe Man we should expect, right? Correct. And so the PEA will be on Corner Bay and Joe Man. And uh, some other deposits that we have. So in the PA, we're, we'd like to prove out the hub and spoke theory, where we have a couple of mines feeding a centralized mill. That's just really to give the market an indication that we are going to be a cash flowing profitable business uh, with underground mines. As we do know, as you start working underground and you continue to drill more and more, the resources expand. So we're only going to get the resources to a certain level before this PA, but it should be enough to put forward a profitable business plan going forward. And for listeners new to the story, the timeline is about three to three and a half years from now, hopefully be in production, right? Correct. That's right. All right. Well, to learn more about the story, go to DoreCopper.com. There's also a link to my original interview with Ernie in which we go over other aspects of the company more in depth. The ticker symbol in Toronto is DCMC. And on the OTCQB, you can look it up or buy it under the ticker DRCMF. Thank you for joining me today, Ernie. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for your time and, and uh, wishing all your listeners uh uh, a safe winter and let's hope we can uh, move on from the current uh, situation as soon as we can.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.